Hello and welcome to another episode of Hope with Danny Daniel. It's a podcast wishing to inspire listeners everywhere with weekly stories and personal testimonies from our wide range of guests. And part of our wide range of guests today is going to be Dana. She is a Dana Craft and she is somebody that uh, does a mighty important function here in Athens, particularly in line with what's happened with the crisis out there. She is the uh, problem solver, if you will, for the Georgia Food Bank Association. And even in these tough times, her passion to generate hope and help others is so, so important. Dana, glad to have you with us. Thank you, Danny. It's great to be with you today. Uh, I can tell you that I know very little about the food bank except for on is it Barber Street. It's where the little Athens food bank started. Uh, not started, but uh, I helped get it moved to to a, a building there many, many years ago. And y'all have grown so much, it's hard to know what your format is or what your structure is. Uh, well, actually, there are seven big regional food banks, and the one in Athens, Food Bank of Northeast Georgia, is one of those. And I heard that story about the food bank moving from someone's garage to a, <laughs> to a bigger building in Athens and all, all how the community all came together to make that happen. It's one of the great success stories of, of how this network has grown. But um, I actually um, work with the executive directors of the seven big regional food banks that are in the state that serve nearly every county in the state. And I, um, uh, I work on the things that they have in common, that they want to do together. Sometimes that's problem solving. Sometimes that's fundraising. Sometimes that's amplifying their voice. But um, they all have day jobs of uh, running uh, food banks and feeding people. And I sort of help them um, um, uh, work together in ways that um, increase the amount of food and funding that's available to them. Well, you're somewhat of the administrative arm of the food bank. Is that what you would call yourself? I would say so. I, I, you know, I do advocacy. I do fundraising. I do education. I, um, I negotiate rules with USDA over to try to streamline their distribution processes. So I'm sort of a jack of all trades, problem solver of food bank network, and um, and it's a great privilege, you know, for me to, to be a part of their work and to do things that help them feed more people in their counties. Well, you, your budget's probably pretty tight. Uh, any way you look at it, you don't have a whole lot of extra people that are volunteering or even uh, donating food this time, this day and time. You have to really watch every, every dollar that comes in and goes out. Absolutely. The food banks are good at that. Uh, day in and day out, but it's especially important now. Um, they have uh, been blessed with a lot of generous donations recently, uh, and they are um, stewarding those resources very carefully because they do not know how long they're going to need to respond to the increased demand for food, and they want to make sure that they have the resources that they need. If this is a, a longer recovery, you know, than everyone really wants it to be. Um, you know, one of the things that I realized early on in March is uh, when we started hearing the corporate 
volunteer groups cancel uh, is that they were going to need volunteers. They're going to need help. The, our food bank network uses about 2,500 volunteers every week, and they can't distribute food without them. And as um, corporate corporations told their employees not to congregate together and the uh, uh, senior volunteers were appropriately sheltering at home, I knew that they were going to need some help. Um, so I sh- copied a proposal that Ohio had successfully used, my counterpart in Ohio had used um, to get uh, National Guard members assigned to the food and sent it in to the governor and GEMA on a Wednesday morning in March. And four hours later, I had 150 members of the National Guard assigned to uh, nine warehouse locations. And they showed up the next Monday, and they have been with us ever since. Uh, and we could not be doing the work that we are doing without the help of those men and women in service uh, with the National Guard. Uh, and they're going to be with us through December. So um, so we, um, you know, that's one of those instances where I saw a problem coming down the road <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, reacted pretty quickly uh, to be able to get the food banks the resources that they need. Well, now, where is your office housed? Which food bank are you in? I'm co-located with the Atlanta Community Food Bank, um, which uh, is uh, in near the airport in Atlanta. They actually moved into a brand new building the first week of March, and um, I still get lost going to my office because I've been working from home and don't go in there very often. But <laughs> but we are uh, I'm, I'm, I live here in Atlanta, and the the capital is here, and so a lot of the work that I do around advocacy and legislation uh, for the food banks. Uh, I need to be in in town to do that. Now, again, where do you say your primary funding comes from to to buy food? The food banks, um, for for most of the food banks in the state, including Food Bank of Northeast Georgia and Athens, the primary source of food that they have comes from USDA. And it's not food they buy. It's It's sort of an allocation that they get. They get to choose the food that they want based on the funding allocation that USDA gives them, and that's based on population in need in the community. And so for for Food Bank of Northeast Georgia and and other food banks uh, outside of the Atlanta area where there's not a lot of manufacturing of food, um, the USDA comprises about 60% of their inventory, and the rest of the food that they have is food that's either donated to them uh, by Georgia farmers donate ugly produce. Um, retail stores donate food that um, isn't that is close to expiration, that is not moving. You know, Danny, when you go into the grocery store and there's yogurt there, and there's one container of yogurt that has two days left on it, and the the, the new stuff has already come in, and it's got two weeks left on it. The retail stores know you're going to reach around that close dated yogurt container and buy the stuff that's going to last longer in your refrigerator. So they go ahead and pull that food off the shelf for us and um, meat that's starting to oxidize or, you know, the the retail stores know that when you buy something, you expect it to last a certain number of days in your refrigerator. And so once that shelf life gets too tight, those freshness standards um, are impaired. And so they'll pull that food off the shelf and our food banks, um, pick that food up and distribute it to very quickly to people in need who are hungry while it is still fresh and nutritious. 
Well, you know, in the United States of America, it just seems like it'd be almost impossible for people to be hungry. But that's just not true. Uh, all kinds of people are hungry, and particularly in the crisis we're in, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to back up a minute and talk about uh, how you got involved with the uh, the food bank. Uh, you, you were a teacher at one time? Well, I did. I, I wanted to be a teacher. My parents were educators, and I just thought that would be a great career, and I, I loved teaching. I loved the kids, but, you know, when I graduated from college, uh, I was in Alabama, and I, I could not afford to live I wanted, you know, my goal was to move out of my parents' house, and they just weren't paying teachers enough. At the time, the nonprofit sector paid about 50% more. And so my summer jobs during college had been working for a nonprofit um, organization, um, recruiting people to do bikeathons to raise money for them. And so I, I ended up working in the nonprofit sector for financial reasons and loved the work. I loved the working with volunteers. I loved the people. Uh, even when I moved into the corporate sector, it was because they wanted me to work with their volunteer groups of groups of employees who were working in the community, that kind of coaching and, and encouragement and, um, helping them to find um, fulfilling uh, purpose in their volunteer work uh, was something that was inspiring to me, and I enjoyed it very much. And so even when I have worked in the corporate sector uh, and made uh, job moves because I needed more money, um, there's always been a nonprofit component to it, either uh, working with philanthropy, working with family. uh, I've worked at SunTrust bank, um, working with their family foundations when those families were coming around a, a table and, and making generous gifts to nonprofits in the community. And I worked in uh, SunTrust Community Affairs and uh, with their volunteer groups. Uh, and, um, and this association work that I'm doing now with the food banks um, it has all of those elements that uh, that I enjoy. It's you know relationships are messy, and they require time and attention. And um, I I like working together and bringing people together uh, in order to sort of get everybody rowing in the same direction uh, to move a project forward. Well, and again, reiterating what you said earlier is uh, you're the executive director director of the Georgia Food Bank Association, which basically covers the whole state. Is that right? That's right. Uh, Which is a a big, big deal. Well, uh, I applaud you for being drawn to to a position that you evidently were made for. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, you've done such a good, good job of it. And and your organization does such a good job of of providing that our our hope is, is what we talk about all the time. It's just hope in all different forms and fashions, and uh, you've brought a lot of hope to a lot of people. It's, it's hard to have a whole lot of hope when you, don't, when you have an empty stomach. That is absolutely true, and I think it's important to approach issues like this from sort of a mindset of abundance. We have lots of food in this country. It's just not in the places where people need it. And that's what the food banks are so good at is, is getting food that's excess that is, you know, ugly produce. We have uh, Georgia farmers. I've worked with the Department of Agriculture, our, our great 
Agriculture Commissioner Gary Black, and we started the Farm to Food Bank program uh, in 2013-2014. And now Georgia farmers donate more than 16 million pounds of ugly produce to us. You know, sweet potatoes that are too big or too small for retail or or crooked neck squash that have straight necks. I mean, believe it or not, that's the the freshness standard for retail um, is is perfection. And and we we capture produce, they set aside the ugly stuff for us and we send trucks to go pick them up. And um, they Georgia farmers donate more than sixteen million pounds of ugly produce to us every year. And so, you know, when you approach issues and problems um, from a place of abundance, um, you can always find a solution. There's always, and you can bring people together uh, who want to help you work on it because they have something they can contribute to it. Well, I can tell you from my perspective, uh, when you're hungry, it ain't ugly. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, You, You know, they say, they say a poor man has many problems, but a hungry man only has one. That's, so if we can, if we can solve that problem, if we can help people in that, then and also you know we have extra food, we have lots of food, and so if someone has lost their job and they're needing to prioritize, you know, let them use their money for rent and for gas and things that you can only use money for, and let us help with the food. All right, let me ask you this: where, food-wise, now not the money that you get to buy the food, but where does basically the food come from besides the farmers? Uh, you'd say also the grocery stores? Yes, grocery stores donate food to us. We have manufacturers who donate food. Um, egg producers donate eggs to us. Um, the, um, but, but the food banks do purchase food. And a lot of times they end up purchasing protein or, you know, they will uh, purchase because, you know, what the food banks have is what's donated. And so that doesn't always create the eight or 10 items that go in a box that could actually create a meal, right? And so so the food banks a lot of times will buy uh, food that will supplement what's been donated so that they can round out the the offering of food, especially to families with children. You want to make sure that they, they have, you know, all of the basic food groups and not just, you know, macaroni and cheese. What's in a basic oh. box of food that you give to uh, somebody that's uh, desirous of or has qualified, and how do I qualify for food? Well, um, uh, there are different programs, and and they have different qualifications, but um, pretty much if you're making 130% of poverty or less, you you qualify for food. Uh, And and even even if you have a house and a car, you know, if you have lost your job and you don't have any income, you know, that the food bank network is there. For people like uh, who who have fallen on 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 tough times temporarily, uh, who need uh, help um, making ends meet, right? They they've got a little bit of resources, but they 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 don't have enough to to have enough food. For, they have too much uh, month left over at the end of their money. I guess is a, is the way my daddy used to talk about it, um, but. But those are uh, folks, a lot of the folks that we are seeing right now, about 30% of the people that we are seeing right now are people who have never asked for help in their lives. They have fallen, they've lost their jobs or their hours have been cut back and the food bank network is there. 
to help them. Well, they're in dire need, as you might say, uh, because that's the first and most important thing that uh, we all need to survive is is a good uh, is a good supply of food, and I, I think that that's where you've got some people because of COVID nineteen. You can help me out here. Uh, it just presented a lot of issues with with food shopping, with uh, how I access food, or with the fact that I don't have money for the food and that sort of thing. But you've managed to come out stronger, and I look at it as the other side of making someone else uh, in need have that need solved. Um, a lot of things in life uh, involve trying to have the character and desire to get to the other side. But when you're without food, it just makes it hard to, to have a positive attitude, I guess. So you give people positive attitudes. Yes. And the way our network works through community-based pantries um, of partners in the community like churches that helped us distribute the food and help us identify people who need it, you know, those relationships that are formed in the community and the, the fact that people see um, the helpers who care about them, I, you know, that's a powerful message to people as well. Well, you know, you, you said that maybe 30 percent of the folks that come and get food uh, during this time have never uh, applied for it before, and maybe some of them have got a little pride in there. You know, they, they, they don't want to, they don't want to see the see their neighbors over there in the same line or something like that. But uh, you, how, how do they deal with that? Do you schedule a time to come pick up the food? Uh, well, work? different pantries work in different ways, and there are some that have, uh, especially now with COVID, are scheduling appointments so that the uh, people. Uh, they don't have a crowd inside the pantry. A lot of the distributions, the big distributions that we're seeing a lot of the new folks in are the drive-through, no-touch distributions where people are just opening up their trunk. Uh, and uh, and the National Guard members are putting, you know, food in the trunk of their car. And you're right. There are – we do hear stories about people who uh, uh, are afraid if they are seen asking for help, um, that there'll be a stigma attached to it. But I can assure you that the, the people we work with, the, the, our agency volunteers, our, um, the, the community leaders that are, that, that are uh, you know, supporters of our network and, and our food bank staff, um, it is a loving and caring act. And so, um, you know, people shouldn't be afraid um, to come and seek help uh, if they need it because we have food. Well, you're right. And, you know, it's a different uh, perspective comes into play when you've got kids. <laughs> uh, right. You wouldn't want a child to go hungry. My goodness. Uh, you'd go hungry before you'd let a child go hungry. But, uh, it sounds like with the supply you have, with the funding that you have, with the distribution that you have, there isn't a whole lot of reason for people in Georgia to go hungry for very long. That's absolutely right. And and there are there are other programs that, that our food banks can connect them to that um, that uh, help people who uh, have lost their jobs and who are poor, like uh, SNAP uh, and WIC. And, um, and other benefits like that, that uh, we are happy to help people connect to if they need help over a longer period of time. Well, let me ask you this. You know, with the schools so long not being in session and now they don't go to the lunchroom every day, uh, what are those kids, where do they get their food? Well, 
we are very fortunate that we have uh, USDA has extended some emergency waivers that allowed us school food authority and uh, the food banks and other nonprofits that are distributing food to move to sort of a grab-and-go model. So some of the schools are having parents come and pick up the food, and sometimes they'll pick up five days worth of lunches, um, you know, once a week. And the food banks have been partnering with them to distribute household groceries at the same time that the parents are coming through. But we are worried about kids right now. And COVID, because of school closures and because only about 70% of the child care programs like Boys and Girls Clubs and um, places like that that normally do after-school programs where kids might get a dinner meal, only about 70% of them are operating right now. And so um, we know that that the COVID closures have impacted kids more. And so we really want people to pay attention. This is the time for us all to really pay attention to kids, right? And make sure that they have what they need. And we're doing that with some new partnerships. There's a, a library, Rinkin Library in Effingham County, uh, who is uh, serving as a distribution point for grab-and-go meals for parents in that community. And, um, and, and you know, that... That it's something they've never done before, and they started this summer, and they're continuing with the uh, uh, after-school meals wow. right now, and bringing new people to new partners to the work. Well, hopefully, the work that you're doing over there will be contagious, and other people Absolute. will pick up on it. Uh, is there a most gratifying experience that you've had in the years that you've served as director uh, with the food bank? Yes, you know, I've thought about that question, and I have to say that. Um, that see, you know, when I go to one of the food banks and I see, you know, pallets and pallets, you know, a tractor trailer load, 40,000 pounds of sweet potatoes or carrots that I know have come from a Georgia farmer. And I know that the work that, that I did with the food banks, you know, and the agriculture commissioner um, is sort of making all of that happen. That, that's very satisfying to me. I, I I feel good about that. That's real, you know. That's real food, and I and it's nutritious, and and it's um, given in generosity and love, and that's been very satisfying to me. Well, I am convinced after talking to you for a few minutes here that you are committed to what you're doing, that your organization is committed to helping with the food shortage problem, and uh, I'm hopeful that you can continue and to make a difference uh, because uh, it does make a difference. Thank you again for being with us, and you have a good afternoon. Thank you, Danny. She is the executive director for the Georgia Food Bank Association, and she's doing a fantastic job, and she's going to touch the lives of somebody you know before it's all said and done. This episode recorded at Vega Studios. Also remember to follow us on social media. We will be posting our episodes on our Facebook page along with the website. Stay in touch with us and spread the word. It's all about hope. But before we go, I wanted to remind the listeners that I'm a huge supporter of the UGA Miracle, which is the largest student-run organization at the University of Georgia that raises money for children's health care of Atlanta. They raise over a million dollars a year, and you can be a part of that. Just go to ugamiracle.org, and you can donate. Remember... Any amount given is a step closer to saving a child's life.